take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Then continue the adventure with monthly audio adventures on airshipgenesis.com. Plus, download the Airship Genesis mobile game where kids will travel back in time to the life of Jesus. Blast off with the young one in your life at airshipgenesis.com. Christians enjoy freedom from guilt, freedom from shame, and freedom from the fear of death. Did you note what's not listed? Freedom from problems. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah continues his look at how believers ought to deal with problems like Joseph did. He certainly had plenty of practice. Listen as David concludes his message, Why Do Christians Have So Many Problems? And thank you for joining us today. We're happy to have you along for this edition of Turning Point. This is part two of the message, Why Do Christians Have So Many Problems? We're studying the life of Joseph and what God allowed him to experience on his way to the most influential position in all of the land. We'll get to that in a moment. First, uh, let me just tell you, we have a magazine I'd like for you to get. This magazine uh, is now viewed by 400,000 people every month. It's read by them, and uh, every, every month we get new readers. We also are able to um, make available to you the devotional content of this magazine on the Internet, absolutely free. All you got to do is ask us, and we'll make sure it gets downloaded to you every day. If you'd like to receive the magazine through the mail, just ask for it when you uh, send us a note or get in touch with us on the Internet. We'll be happy to do that. We want you to have the magazine because it coordinates what we do on the radio. When you listen to the radio, you'll find that the articles and the devotionals in the magazine uh, are synergized with that so that you get a, a double impact from listening and reading and joining us uh, in this process. So be sure and ask for your copy of uh, the magazine when you get in touch with us. I, I know you want to keep getting it as soon as you get the first one. It's beautifully designed. It's meant just for you uh, as listeners to Turning Point. You can't get it anyplace else but here. But we want you to have it, and uh, we need you to ask for it so we can send it to you. Okay, this is part two of Why Do Christians Have So Many Problems? Let's get started. I've always thought that when Potiphar threw Joseph into prison because of the alleged sexual advances supposedly Joseph made on his wife, we all know that didn't happen. I think Potiphar knew it didn't happen either. I think he knew his wife. He knew what she was doing. But he had to respond, so he threw Joseph in prison. Suppose he had let him stay there for a couple of days and then gotten him out and rescued him. Joseph would never have met the butler, and the butler would never have introduced him to Pharaoh. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes problems are there for God's purposes. They're avenues that God uses to bring us from where we are to where we need to be. And in the process, God fired Joseph's soul with steel so he could face the challenges that were ahead. Problems promote our maturity. Here's the third thing that problems do. They prove our integrity. The one thing about Joseph that's interesting is that no matter what happened to him, he never changed. He was just Joseph. He was Joseph in the pit. He was Joseph in the palace. He was Joseph in his problems. Joseph in the prison. 
Everywhere Joseph went, he maintained his integrity. Because Joseph understood that circumstances don't make us what we are, they reveal what we are. And when we go through problems, we give everyone around us a window on our reality. I can't help but remember that when I was going through cancer, I would tell my wife when I got home, honey, I just feel like everybody's watching me to see what I'm going to do. Some of you know that when you are in the midst of some trials, that's when who you are really becomes visible. Somebody says the people see you through the cracks in your soul. And Joseph proves to us that sometimes the reason we have problems is so that we can bear testimony to the world to the redeeming and powerful grace of God. And that we can show people our true character. Here's where I need to stop for a moment and remind you that I'm not talking here about reputation. I'm talking about character. There's a vast difference between the two. Character is often confused for reputation, but there is no connection whatsoever. You see, reputation is what others suppose we are. Character is what we really are. Reputation is what you chisel on your tombstone. Character is what the angels say about you before God in heaven. And character never changes. When the circumstances change, because problems prove our integrity. I hear people say all the time, well, I couldn't do it because the situation was so tough. I just, no, no, no. You couldn't do it because the situation has nothing to do with it. The situation doesn't make you what you are. It reveals what you are. The problems of life don't cause us to be different. They reveal the fact that we aren't who we want everybody to believe we are. And so when we face problems in life, it's a wonderful opportunity for God to use us to demonstrate the reality and integrity of our character before others. People never know you as well as they know you when they watch you go through a difficult time in your life. And number four, problems produce a sense of dependency. Look back in your Bibles to the 39th chapter and verses 20 and 21 where we have a little descriptive verse about Joseph's initiation to the prison experience. It says, Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. If you read the book of Genesis and the life of Joseph, you'll discover that wherever Joseph went, God went with him. When Joseph was in the pit, God was with him. When Joseph was in the palace, God was with him. And when he was in the prison, God was with him. Biblical scholar Griffith Thomas says that there is a link between Joseph's power and God's presence. He writes that the secret of Joseph's power was his consciousness of the presence of God in his life. God had not forgotten him, though it may have seemed to him that it was the case. And ladies and gentlemen, I need to tell you that what Joseph found out while he was in prison was that God loved him a whole lot. That God was there with him 
He found out how much God loved him. And I can't tell you how many times people have told me that when they've gone through family problems or marital problems or financial problems or physical problems, that the testimony has been, Pastor, I knew that God loved me. I've always felt close to him, but never in all of my days have I ever felt the love that I experienced when I was going through this difficult situation. In his book, A Scandalous Freedom, Steve Brown writes that pain is not something most people enjoy. That is why we run from it as fast as we can. And that is also why we are never free if we do that, because he said Jesus hardly ever goes to those places that we run to. He says when pain comes or we fear that it will come, don't run away Run for it, run to it, and when you do, you will find that you have run into the arms of Jesus. Jesus hangs out in our pain and in our problems. If you want to know him, if you want to meet him in a way you never thought possible, you will discover it when the problems come. Author Tim Keller said, One of the main ways we move from abstract knowledge about God to a personal encounter with him is through the reality of the furnace of affliction. Believers understand many doctrinal truths in the mind, but those seldom make the journey down into the heart unless there is disappointment and failure and loss. As a man who seemed to about lose both his career and family once said to me, said Keller, I always knew that Jesus is all I need to get through But you don't really know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. (laughs) And then you find out he's enough. He's enough. Can you say that? He's enough. No matter what the problem is, he's enough. And finally, problems prepare our hearts for ministry. They provide greater opportunities. They promote spiritual maturity. They prove our integrity. They produce a sense of dependency, and they prepare our hearts for ministry. In chapter 40 of Genesis, verses 6 and 7, Joseph wakes up one morning, and the Bible says, Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them. He's talking here about the butler and the baker. And he saw that they were sad. And so he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of the Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? Now try to get this into context. Here he is, a prisoner, unjustly so. He should have, by virtue of his situation, been wrapped up in self-pity and wondering what in the world God was doing to allow him to be in such a sorry circumstance. But instead of that, we see him looking at the suffering of others. Look at his words. Notice that he sees their sad faces. He is sensitive. He's loving. He's sympathetic. He initiates the conversation. He ministers to the prisoners. And I've written down in my notes that there is no ministry to the sufferer like the sufferer's ministry to others. And that is true. Isn't that what Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians and the first chapter where he tells us that we comfort others with the comfort with which we ourselves have been comforted? In other words, when we have felt God's comfort and strength for us, it's out of that experience that we're able 
to help others who are going through trouble. When we are put into the difficulties of life and problems come to us, usually what happens as the result of that is we are made especially sensitive to other people around us who have similar problems or difficult problems. Don and I were sitting watching television for a few moments at the beginning of the day watching the news show. And there was a story on there about a young lady who was in college and began to have some physical problems and was told by the doctor that she had an inoperable brain tumor and that she probably wouldn't live past Christmas. Well, she asked the doctor if she could have one thing, if he thought it would be all right for her to play one more basketball game. She was on the women's basketball team at the college. She loved the game. And he told her it would be fine. And so they scheduled this game, which they thought would be just a few people coming to honor this girl. And 10,000 people showed up for the game. And they had her on the news segment and asked her why she had allowed herself to do it. And you know what she said? Experiencing what I've experienced in this, I wanted to do this to raise as much money as I could so that we could help this not to ever happen to any other young people like me. In other words, what she went through totally sensitized her to what others might face, and she wanted to use her pain to help somebody else. That's what was going on with Joseph. He saw in the eyes of these two men the pain. That's what happens. Suffering makes you reach out to others. It is when you understand that, that you're able to embrace your problems a little better. One of the things about this book we study is there's something new in there. I mean, I've been reading this book for years, and I always am getting new thoughts and new insights. And here's an insight I never had. Listen to me carefully. Even Jesus Christ, the Son of God, had to go through suffering in order for him to be able to help us in our suffering. Did you know that? That's what the book of Hebrews says. Let me read these verses to you from Hebrews 2 and 4. Here they are. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren. He had to be made like us. So that in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he's able to aid those who are tempted. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tested as we are, yet without sin. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. If the sinless Son of the living God had to experience suffering so that he could identify with our suffering, then we should not be surprised that we have to do the very same thing. You can't counsel others about something you've never really experienced. Don't go and say to somebody, I know what you've been through if you've never been through it. But the Lord God lets us all have our share of experiences, doesn't he? so that we then can go to somebody and say, I got it. People call me from all over the country to talk to me about cancer. And as much as I can, I try to talk with them and pray with them. But until I had cancer, nobody ever did that. Nobody. People want to know what somebody who's been there and done that have to say about what it's all about. Here's Joseph. He's in prison, suffering himself not wanting to be there by any means. But in the midst of his suffering, he is serving. Well, there you have it. Sometimes we have problems because God wants to get us ready 
so we can help somebody else. Sometimes we have problems because they are opening up the door of possibility for us. Sometimes we have problems so that God can grow us up and make us stronger. Sometimes they are simply a testimony to those who are watching us that our reality is true. And sometimes they're just a reminder to us that we can trust God and He will always be with us no matter what. And that's the way it was for Howard Rutledge. Remember him? I told you about him at the beginning. In prison for seven years in Heartbreak Hotel. At the end of his book, after he's been released, he tells this story. He said, God took him through the experiences in prison to bring him lessons he could never have learned. He said it was in prison that he learned how to pray. He said, words don't come easy when I pray, but even we amateurs discovered in prison the incredibly powerful force prayer can be in our lives. I learned I could talk to God in any place, whether dangling from a parachute or shackled in a cesspool. Why did God put Howard Rutledge in prison? He taught him how to pray. Here's one. He said, I was shot down in Vietnam, a church dropout. Disinterested in the Christian faith, I would return to freedom, aware of God and anxious to stay in fellowship with Him. And I promised God that the first Sunday of my return to freedom, I would take my family to their home church, and at the close of the service, I would walk to the front, confess my faith in Christ, and take my place as a member with my family. In prison, I learned what it means to be isolated, struggling to build my faith alone, and I resolved never to be outside the community of Christian believers again. He goes on to talk about how it changed his family and his values and everything about his life. There was a wonderful product that came into the life of Howard Rutledge because of his problems and his prison. So there you have it. We have some rationale for problems, why God allows them. But before I finish my little talk today, I want to answer one more question. How do we deal with these things when they come? What should our attitude be? I'm very thankful for a little experience I had that will help me try to explain that to you. Some of you know that I am a beach bike bum. I love to ride the strand in Coronado. I can tell you that from where I start, it's eight and a half miles one way, so it's a 17-mile round trip. I try to do it every day that I can if I'm down there. I had an experience that will help me explain what you do when you face these problems. I've learned at certain times during the day in Coronado, the winds can be very fierce. As I headed out on my ride, I knew I was in for some challenges. You see, on the way down the beach, the wind was at my back, and I was flying so fast I could hardly keep my feet on the pedals. Have you ever ridden a bike like that? I don't have a gear bike. I just have a beach cruiser. I can't gear down. I've got to try to keep up. In fact, on one occasion, I stood up on my bike to rest my backside, which is one of the downsides of riding a bike. But anyway, I stood up to just get a little rest, and all of a sudden I realized, hey, I'm not pedaling, and I'm still moving. My body became like a sail. 
And I went for about a quarter of a mile without ever making one pedal stroke. It was amazing. When I got to the end of my ride, I found my resting place down at the halfway point, went in and drank my tea, and began mentally preparing myself for what I knew would be a challenging ride home. (laughs) I was not to be disappointed. (laughs) I have been riding that trail for many years, and I have never experienced anything like I did. The wind was so fierce in my face that every single stroke of the pedals was a challenge. I had to promise myself that I would not look ahead or I would have become so discouraged I would never continue. On one occasion, I decided to stand up again, and in that one moment, my bike almost came to a dead stop. (laughs) I realized that I had only one way that I was going to make it all the way home without having to make several stops, and here's what I discovered. When the wind is in your face, keep your head down and pedal with all your strength. Don't think about how far you have to go. Don't think about quitting or resting. Keep your head down and keep pedaling. As you can see, I made it home. (laughs) And I made careful note of that ride and the time at which it occurred and vowed never to ride my bike down there at that time again. (laughs) And I was reminded of how much like life my riding experience really was. I've been riding against the wind in my life in recent days, and I must admit, I'd much rather have the wind at my back. I like the wind pushing me ahead, not pushing me back. But I'm glad for the experience on the trail and in life. I know that I can keep moving forward if I keep my head down in submission to God and in prayer. And don't quit. You see, that's what the enemy wants you to do when you have problems. He wants you to quit. He wants you to quit peddling. He wants you to just give in and let the problem overwhelm you. But I want to tell you something. It's not just enough to keep your head down in submission in prayer. You've got to keep peddling. Every stroke may be painful for a while, but I cannot yield to my puny human nature and quit. I will lean into the wind and keep moving forward, sometimes at a very slow pace, but never stopping and never standing up. And God gets me through those moments. It doesn't take a lot of energy when the wind is at your back. When we fly across the country back and forth like we do throughout the year, airplane doesn't burn near as much fuel going as it does coming back. Coming back, the headwinds take 100 miles an hour off the speed, and it costs way more to fly. That's the way it is for us. God's allowed some of these things into our lives, some of them more bitter than others, some more difficult than others. But here's the good news. God is up to something. He will never, ever leave you alone. Wherever you are, whatever situation you're in, he's with you. He's promised never to leave you nor forsake you. And you will come out better if you don't come out bitter. Make God the Lord of your problems. Don't run from them. Embrace them. And keep your head down and keep peddling. Amen. Amen.
Well, you may forget the message, but you won't forget the illustration. I promise you that. And um, I think it's a good one. Hey, tomorrow we're going to talk about why don't my prayers get answered? That's a big question for a lot of people. I've had people come and say, you know, Pastor, I've been praying about this for years, and I keep praying and praying. It's like God doesn't even hear me. What is wrong with my praying? Well, there might not be anything wrong with your praying because, first of all, God's not obligated to answer us on our time schedule, that's for sure. But we're going to talk about that tomorrow and delve into some of the reasons the Bible gives for unanswered prayer. You want to be sure and listen. And don't forget, you can still get a copy of the book, 10 Questions That Christians Are Asking, by simply sending a gift during this month and asking for your copy of the book. You have to do both things. You have to send a gift of any size to Turning Point and then ask for the book. And when you do that, we'll send it to you. You'll have it before you know it. It's a hardback book. It's beautifully designed, but most of all, it's just full of good biblical information to help you deal with the questions that people ask you and some of the questions you have yourself. All that we're talking about on the air, plus more in this book, yours for the asking during the month of May. And we'll see you right here tomorrow for the next edition of Turning Point. The message you just heard originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. How has your life been impacted by this ministry? Let us know by writing to Turning Point for God of Canada. P.O. Box 18098, Delta BC, V4L 2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, 10 Questions Christians Are Asking, and learn to live with greater confidence. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices, or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, 10 Questions Christians Are Asking, here on Turning Point. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you will be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. 
Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca study. That's davidjeremiah.ca study.